Welcome to the Avenue Community Church's podcast. We are a family of Christ followers seeking shalom in Memphis. We pray that you are encouraged by today's message. And as you listen, may the word of God shape you to be more like him. All right, Avenue family, we have with us George Moore the third. The third? The third. The third. The third. Trey. Um, Trey. <laughs> George Moore is coming to us uh, not with an installment of anything other than Wednesday Institute. We're doing this on a Wednesday, but this is like a redo. Yeah, this is a redo of uh, <laughs> week one. Week one. We week, had some technical difficulties. Technical difficulties. You know, it happens to the best of us. Um, but we wanted to be able to because we've had so much uh, great feedback from just our parishioners about the Deconstruction Wednesday Institute course that George Moore uh, and Josh Warren are leading. We just wanted to be able to invite you guys into the conversation. And so I got George here today to just kind of run us through uh, his first week of the Deconstruction course um, for the Wednesday Institute. Uh, but before we get into it, I just wanted to ask George just like how the Deconstruction like, how did this become the Wednesday Institute that we're offering in this spring? Yeah, so, um, man, shout out to uh, Josh Warren, man. Josh and the Institute team are doing a great job of talking through curriculum, conversations, topics uh, to just equip our church, man. And uh, Josh reached out to me, I want to say about a month ago, to say, hey, we're doing a, a, um, a study on deconstruction on Wednesday nights. You know, would you like to help? And yeah. I was like, man, I love to, you know, mm-hmm. jump in and do that. And so, even before Josh reached out to me, I was on a panel about a month ago here for here at a local church in Memphis, uh, talking about the exact same thing. Wow. Deconstruction. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a hot topic in faith circles, mm-hmm. in church circles. Uh, we're seeing it on seeing it in social media right we're seeing friends and families co-workers talking yep. about deconstruction right we're seeing uh hashtag ex-evangelicals mm. right on social mm-hmm. media right so mm-hmm. it just seems like man everyone's talking about it right. everybody wants to know what it is people want to try it experience it or just have some questions or doubts about it yeah. so you know what let's talk about it that's cool. I mean, I love that. And I think that's what makes the Wednesday Institute just so unique is because we get the opportunity to, in real time, just kind of talk through, you know, some hot button issues. And, um, yeah, so I'm glad that y'all are doing it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I just, you know, if you could just take us back to that Wednesday night two weeks ago, um, yeah, yeah. what were some of the first things that you just kind of walked through uh, the class with? Yeah, so, man, one of the things I, I like to do when I'm, talking about a word or a subject that has such a strong response, Mm -hmm. such potential to be a fiery topic. Um, I try to, to take the, um, I guess the spiciness of the word out for lack of a better Uh word, right? Because deconstruction is like a common thing in our time it is and so a lot of times when we think about deconstruction we just think about the church we just think about faith and people either walking away from the faith or 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 people coming to like their own ideas about the faith right and so before we even get to that i wanted our i wanted our class to see just how common deconstruction is in mm-hmm. our time and ways that we encounter deconstruction on a regular basis yeah 
that we may not even know about, we may huh. not even realize that we're actually doing it or right. engaging with them right. in some way, but we are. So first of all, deconstruction is common. Uh-huh. And so once we understand how common it is, now we can have the faith conversation. Yeah. And once we have the faith conversation, um, what do we do with it now? Right. So, that's that makes sense. I just obviously I don't. You may get to this. You may not. But I'm just wondering. You know, obviously I've started hearing deconstruction maybe like two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. But I'm wondering like why? Why do you think right now at this time it's just it's as popular as it is on social media, ex evangelicals or, or what have you? Just people yeah. running through this whole deconstruction phase. Like, what do you think has prompted this? Um, has this always been the case like throughout history or is it mm-hmm. you know much bigger now I'm just, I'm just yeah, yeah yeah so uh, one of the things that I opened up with was if you, if you think about it from like a faith perspective right we had the reformation Protestant reformation uh-huh. right we had Martin Luther who was a Catholic monk uh-huh. right who who read the scriptures who read the scriptures and saw that hey there's there's things that the Catholic Church is doing that I'm not seeing in scripture, mm, mm-hmm. right? And through reading scripture and through uh, interacting with the Ethiopian church at that time, right? The only church in, in the world at the time that had not been touched by Catholicism, mm-hmm. right? So looking at the Ethiopian church and reading the scriptures, he was like, hey, how do I get back to the essentials of the faith? Yeah. Right? Things like, hey, I see that clergy can be married. Like there's no ban on clergy being married. Uh-huh. You know, I can be married. Things like having the Bible written in the people's language, right? So you don't have to learn some special language to Mm. read the scriptures, Mm -hmm. right? It needs to be in the people's common language for them to know it themselves. Uh, Even taking communion, right? Yeah. Uh, The bread and the wine for communion, not just the bread, right? The scriptures say, like, we can do these things. Uh And there's no ban on them. Yep. And so through things like that, grace by faith, right? So not only seeing these tenets, we have the Reformation. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, the Reformation is not exactly deconstruction per se, but one can see similarities of, huh, the dominant society is saying this, but when I really break it down and read what the scriptures are saying, when I, when, when, when I break it down to see what the actual essence is, mm-hmm. what's being practiced is not what really needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And so we see the Reformation, yeah. you know, take course and, you know, the rest is history. So that's an example I open with from a faith perspective. Gotcha. And so you can just kind of journey us through uh, your notes if you want to. And then I got them right here. (laughs) (laughs) And then obviously I can chime in uh, wherever, whenever I have like a thought or whatever. But I'll just let you go for it. Yeah. yeah. So um, first I defined uh, deconstruction. I went through like the brief history of it. And so it was it was a word that was coined by a man named Jacques Derrida. Uh Jacques Derrida. Jacques was a philosopher. going back i would say i'm close to 100 years ago mm-hmm. right and so uh I, i'll say maybe 75 years ago so so it's it's been like in the 20th century and as he defined deconstruction he said it like this it's the relentless critique of structures and patterns of exclusion and domination mm. right mm. so postmodernism is is the worldview of our time mm-hmm. we are, we live in a postmodern society and what that means and one of the hallmarks of postmodernism is um the the critique of of structures and powers in play mm-hmm. why are they there mm. what purpose do they serve yeah 
right? Um, it looks at meta narratives, things that like absolutes, things like, well, the government's always right. Hmm. Those that have the education or have this the degree or this lifestyle, hey, they're always right. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So and so we and so what postmodernism does is it looks at the absolutes and be like, okay, we have these absolutes like these grand narratives. How do we examine them? How do we critique them? How do we break them down to see, okay, what do we really need to keep yeah. and what needs to be taken away from? Uh-huh. Right. right. And so the whole idea of deconstruction is if I'm seeing a, a power, if I'm seeing a structure, if I'm seeing a system, if I'm even seeing the words of an author, hmm. what needs to be examined, what needs to be picked apart to where what needs to be kept yeah. and what needs to be done away with, right? Gotcha. So that's what deconstruction is. And so just to add more uh, more to it, um, what I shared with our group was, is at the end of the day, what, what postmodernism does is it, look, it takes people's experiences into play. Mm-hmm. Whereas it's saying, hey, one way is always right. Mm-hmm. One narrative is always right. <laughs> one one viewpoint is always right. Yeah. It says, hey, there are people that have multiple experiences. Mm-hmm. They have multiple viewpoints. And so how we take people's viewpoints and we examine them all equally. Yeah. To where everyone has a voice at the table and not just a dominant power. Wow. And so we even see that in play today, right? Like we look at our power structures in society. And if you notice, by nature, all of us examine them. Mm-hmm. Like, why is that there? That decision that was made, is that the right decision, right? Is that decision that this, that this policy came about from? So we just accept, accept the 100%? Mm-hmm. Or, no. Or does it need to, <laughs> right? Or does it need to be rigorously examined? Right. So here's an example I, I gave during during our session, for better or for worse, uh-huh. right? And when I say this, this is not to cause controversy. I gotta say that, but look at the COVID outbreak. Mm-hmm. Look what happened with COVID. Everybody had their information on it. Yeah. Some people trusted the FDA. Mm-hmm. Some people didn't. We saw this rigorous critique in our own world, in our own country, about the structures in play when it came to COVID and those in power, and everyone had their voice at it. Yeah. And we, and I don't want to say it was chaos. Well, to a, to a certain extent, it was. <laughs> I was it, about to say. It, it, it was chaos because <laughs> everyone had their own views about COVID. Right. Because everybody was like, hey, I'm reading this. Why shouldn't I be heard? Well, I'm reading this. Why shouldn't I be heard? Yep. I have my viewpoint. And so what we see in a, um, and that's one, and that's what postmodernism kind of does. It eliminates one dominant voice and allows access for all voices to be heard. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's good to where you want to hear people's experiences you, and you want to hear what people have, have learned amongst themselves, right? So we can all understand one another, mm-hmm. but sometimes it can be very chaotic. Mm. And so when we look at it, at it from that standpoint, even before we get to like faith, deconstruction and postmodernism, we live it out all the time. Man. And I hope that makes sense. It makes sense. And yeah. to me, I think, you know, obviously when you think about, 
just deconstruction I th- a lot in a lot of ways you think about it in one term you mm-hmm. know what i'm saying i'm just like oh okay you're deconstructing your faith like that's it but mm-hmm. to to hear you say that the idea like the de- you got the definition from a philosopher mm-hmm. but then just like this rigorous you know picking through of whatever power it is that that is at hand like why can't we do that but yeah mm-hmm. that makes complete sense yeah to me. another example is um a lighter example <laughs> family traditions mm-hmm. right a lot of us have grown up with certain family traditions and in the process we've been like hey what from my family tradition do i need to keep yeah and what tradition do i need to put away with because it no longer serves me like chitlins <laughs> <laughs> like chitlins. like chitlins. I'm deconstructing that all day. Deconstructing them chitlins, man. Come on, we can't be eating, can't be eating that. But for real, yeah. like, and even to that, one of the hallmarks of postmodernism is critiquing tradition, mm. right? Mm-hmm. To say, hey, one generation did this and said this was the way. What do I need to examine, critique, and break down, deconstruct? Yeah, to where what tradition fits with me in our time and what doesn't so i'm trying to take the air out of the word of not just faith but man we do it in so many areas of our lives and and as someone that loves movies (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know as i'm someone that loves movies i love my superhero movies yep i love my marvel (laughs) i love i love my batman Uh uh-huh i'll post about them on social media yep i love them guess what in our modern movies we see deconstruction too Mm. Give me an example. Dark Knight. Yeah. One, probably one of the greatest hero movies of all time. Mm-hmm. In fact, some polls call it one of the best movies of all time because of how it's written. And Christopher Nolan, as he's putting it together, by the end of the movie, has deconstructed Batman. Mm-hmm. Batman, who's this hero, right, that's supposed to save his city, right, that's supposed to be this guy that stands up to crime, that is, that is, that is courageous, that fears no evil, right? That is literally fighting for his city. At the end of the movie, guess how he has to win? How? He has to lie. Oh. This guy that that pretty much has no boundaries, right? To fight justice. I mean, to fight injustice and to bring righteousness to a city. Mm-hmm. At the end of the movie, he has to lie just to win. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Right? Uh-huh. Because the movie ends with Batman taking the fall for murders he didn't commit because he knew that if he didn't, that the whole city would be lost. Mm-hmm. And so by the end of the movie, the entire, the entire moral foundation of Batman is t- destroyed. Wow. And the sequel of the movie, and the sequel Dark Knight Rises is about him reconstructing <laughs> himself, mm. how him building himself back up, yeah. right, to restore what was taken away in the last movie because he was a vigilante, no longer a hero. Wow. Right? Another example, comic book movies. (laughs) Captain America. Uh Marvel, come on. MCU, y'all. I love it. MCU, right? I'm a new fan. (laughs) (laughs) Right, so MCU. Um, The Russo brothers directed uh, two Captain America movies and Avengers Endgame and Infinity War. And here's what they said about Captain America. We like digging into postmodern components of a genre and deconstruction of components of the genre. You pick it apart in ways the people aren't expecting. Mm. So as they look at Captain America, they saw this boring, ultra-righteous, do-good character, right? 
that always took orders from the government. <laughs> mm -hmm. Cap was always the good soldier that did what he was told, that always won. He fought good and we fought evil. That's why I'm team Iron Man. I'm just <laughs> Shout out Robert Downey Jr. If, if you RDJ. ever hear this, if you ever hear it, RDJ, <laughs> shout out to you. Right. So, but they took this Captain America figure, right? And what happens in Winter Soldier? Cap realizes I can't just obey the government. Yeah. It's corrupt. Who's good and who's bad? I'm used to fighting Nazis. Yeah. Who's who's the enemy now? Mm -hmm. And by the time we get to Infinity War, where Thanos is on the scene, Cap has gone from a patriot that always fights for the government. That's an insurgent mm. that disobeyed the government. Yeah. That's facts. I didn't even think about it like that. They deconstructed an entire character before our faces. And guess what? We love the movies. They made billions of dollars. Uh -huh. And deconstruction of a character was right there in our face, and we didn't even know it. Wow. So I'm trying to normalize deconstruction as a normal part of our society. Yeah. So when we get to faith, we should not be surprised that now, oh, deconstruction is touching my faith too. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes complete sense. So now that you've gotten, like, the air out of the word, uh -huh. you know. <laughs> I try to, at least. Which, I mean, I think you've done a good job because, I, you know, like I said earlier, I think it's very easy for a lot of us to just think about it in those very, uh, you know, specific terms mm -hmm. and not broadly. But so now that you've taken the air out of the word, it's like, what do you take your class, so to speak? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, uh, man, um, that's a great question. Uh, so once I talked about uh, deconstruction in, in society and just the hallmarks of postmodernism, right? And some of the po some of these hallmarks, I'm, I, I want to list them. I want to list them. It's rooted in people's experiences uh, rather than reason, and rather uh, rather than reason. Uh, suspicion and skepticism are also hallmark hallmarks of postmodernism. And then lastly, postmodernism uh, critiques uh, absolutes and grand narratives, right? So once we understand that, once we understand like these are the hallmarks of postmodernism and how deconstruction plays into that, uh, I talked about how it's important as Christians to discern the time that we're in, right? And so the verse I gave for that was First uh, Chronicles twelve thirty three, and I love it because David and his men are about to fight Saul's men. And it talks about how he's assembling this group of people, these men, to fight for him. And one group in particular was uh, the tribe of Issachar. And the Bible says this about him. It says, men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. They understood the time they were in, the battle that they were about to engage in. And they had an understanding of what Israel needed to do. And I said that because in the time that we're in, in the spiritual climate that we're in with deconstruction and postmodernism, as a Christian today, in order for us to effectively engage the culture and minister, we need to understand the time. We need to understand that we live in a time of mistrust, cynicism, fear. And we also have to understand that any idea or belief that we have, even if it's in Jesus, is going to be examined and criticized and picked apart. So we must be ready for all this. Man. Even as ministers of the gospel, even mm -hmm. as those in ministry, you have to be equipped to know that when I step into the pulpit, 
when I engage people, when I'm in public, because of the horror stories of leadership, because of trauma, right? Because of what we see in society all the time, mistrust, cynicism, and fear are gonna be there. So how do I allow God by his spirit to give me wisdom and grace to minister in a time like this? Jeez. Do you, do you think that this is, I don't know if this is where you're going, but do you think that there is any sense of like fear when it comes to the conversation mm-hmm. as far as deconstruction goes in the church? So you, you said that like we as believers have to ready ourselves for those conversations. Do mm-hmm. you think that there is any fear in that at all? To be honest, I think a lot of times ministry can create fear, mm. right? Mm. Because there's certain conversations, there's certain topics that that will that will come up in the church, outside the church, that sometimes it's like, can I even handle that conversation? Can I even handle that interaction? So thinking about deconstruction, I think one of the fears someone has is every time we mention deconstruction, it means somebody leaving the the faith. It means somebody, you know, believing things about the the faith that may not be biblically biblically accurate. Yeah. So they're they're now either in error or going into heresy. Mm. And so I think sometimes that's what the word deconstruction can do for us in the church. It can create those ideas of, oh, someone's either walking away or they're going to start walking in in error or heresy. Gotcha. So, yeah. Gotcha. All right, well, I'm going to let you continue on your path. (laughs) (laughs) I can ask so many more questions. No, come on, ask me. No, 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 I'm I'm good. Okay, 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 okay. So so after we talked about... um, understanding the time right the spiritual climate that we're in i also mentioned how um the scriptures tell us that we have a a spiritual enemy Mm -hmm. we have uh, a prince of the power of the air Mm -hmm. that paul tells us in ephesians 2 right that kind of oversees the worldly climate Mm -hmm. ideologies worldviews right and if we're not on guard, these philosophies, even though they can have, let's just say a philosophy has 10% truth. Hmm. Let's just say 10% of what, a, of, what, of what a philosophy says could be right. Yeah. Right? The other 90%, other 90% is harmful. Hmm. And because we see, hey, 10% of this philosophy is right, if we're not on guard and letting the Holy Spirit and the scriptures guide us, because of this climate that the prince of the power of the air oversees, we can be swept up away in it. Mm. Right? Yep. And so also understanding not only the philosophical time that we're in, as a Christian, I must be aware that there is always a spiritual climate that is not godly going around. Mm. And there's always deceptive philosophies and worldviews and ideologies and isms and beliefs and all that. And if I'm not careful, I can be swept away in that. Yeah. And so it goes from, hey, deconstruction, we do it all the time in our everyday life, from entertainment to family. Yeah. Right? Right. Also, if we're not careful, because, again, we have a prince of the power of the air that's at work in, the, in these world systems and these ideologies, we can be swept away. 
we can we we can start hanging on to things that are not biblical, that are not godly, that are not gospel centered, and that's where the danger comes in. Jeez. So, some verses for that: Second Corinthians four four. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Ephesians two one through two. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, mm. the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Ephesians 6.12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Mm. So as I'm looking at every worldly ideology, Mm-hmm. I have to be careful of the spiritual consequences and power that's potentially behind it. Because if I run too far with it, I'm not running towards the cross. Mm. I'm running away from it. Jeez. Right? Yeah. So, I must be sober as I look at every worldview, including postmodernism. Mm-hmm. Right? So, um, Paul tells us in in Colossians 2.8, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Hmm. So we have to be aware as we process these worldviews and dive into them. I see you putting your head down. Man, (laughs) I mean, because it's, you know, it's, it's so good, but it's also like, you know, I think, <clears throat> the the example you use of the ten percent of the not of the hundred, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh yeah, I can I can receive this, but not understanding that there is a spiritual realm all the time. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just go away whenever you want to explore this new yeah. ideology or, or philosophical thought. It's still there, and so it's like, okay, it's important for me, like you're saying, to be on guard because it, it's not impossible for me for any of us to mm-hmm. to walk in the opposite direction when we think we're walking in one direction. So here's an example of that I gave in class. Um, postmodernism, deconstruction, um, calls for us to examine power and systems and structures, right? And what, caveat, when you say postmodernism, yeah. like what do you mean? I mean like the worldview of postmodernism, like what we're in. Okay. Right, this idea of, of how we view structures and powers and things in place right okay that's what i mean by that so if i'm so if we're living in in, in this world view that says hey every every power or system that's in place needs to be examined mm-hmm. right and we don't need to automatically bow down to it every time it calls for us to do something mm-hmm. right i think that's in a way that can be biblical right because People are imperfect. Mm-hmm. People have agendas. Captain America found that out. <laughs> he did. People have agendas. Yeah. And sometimes these agendas are not always helpful. They're actually self-serving and evil. Mm-hmm. So to a certain extent, I shouldn't just listen to everything someone in like a certain seat tells me. Mm-hmm. Right. And the Bible even speaks to that. I'm gonna give two. I'm, I'm gonna give two examples of that. One in Romans 13, Paul tells us to obey the government, right? Because that's the institution God ordained for man to 
to what to restrain evil in society mm-hmm. right so there was a purpose for government whether secular or sacred in society to restrain evil paul tells us to obey the government right mm-hmm. john also tells us in revelation to to resist babylon <laughs> mm. right babylon yeah. he was talking about the roman empire yep. so hold up paul tells us to obey the government rome John says to resist Babylon, Rome. Mm-hmm. There's a tension in that. Yeah. So what's the tension as I look at what Scripture says and also what postmodernism says? And it says that, yes, there is, there are powers in play, a government system in play that is not perfect, that needs to be objectively looked at and examined. And be like, hey, should I follow this course of action just because the government says so? At the same time, there are things that the government is doing that Scripture tells us, you know what? Jesus says, give to Caesar what's to Caesar Mm. and give to God what's to to God. Mm. It's a both and. So I just shouldn't I just shouldn't completely dismiss the powers in play. There's also a place where it calls for me to obey and submit to them also. And that's the tension as a Christian. And that's why it's important to be walking with the spirit and to have the word of God with us and to process this stuff in healthy churches. Mm -hmm. Because there is a tension. There is a system that says one thing, but also the scriptures tell us something else. And sometimes it's like, Lord, what do I do with that? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But I think that's the beauty of of walking with Christ, man. It is a walk. Mm Mm-hmm. And he compels us by his love, by his grace, by on what to do in any given moment mm-hmm. to where sometimes I will have to, to where I need to obey what the system is saying. Other times I have to resist it. Yeah, that's good. So, yeah. <laughs> Would you say? And I'm getting the faith in a second. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm going to I'm, I'm let you get to it yeah. um, because I think. You know, this is all just extremely helpful. Obviously, this is all fresh to me because I wasn't sitting in the class. But um, I'm gonna just let you go with it. Just talk <laughs> about faith. Um, yeah. I feel like it will it will be really really great. Yeah. So um, so in our class, I kind of concluded with this in week one. Uh, I looked at um, uh, postmodernism and deconstruction in ways that can help us, but also ways where it can be harmful to us. Gotcha. So I think that kind of will kind of help explain some things too okay uh it can help us examine long-standing beliefs and can lead to genuine encounters with god mm. right so what that means is like that's good it can it can help me examine things that have been in place for so long we can ask okay so why has that been there right particularly when it comes to like our faith right and some of the things that, that we've learned in like unhealthy church circles, mm-hmm. right? Why do we believe that? Yeah. And once we have learned, man, you know what? That may not have been the best way to do something. Mm-hmm. It can actually lead me to a genuine encounter with God that is more scripturally based. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's good. Um, it can help us examine why we believe what we really believe. Mm-hmm. Right? So I've been told something for so long, I just accept it. Yeah. Okay. Why do I believe that? Right. How is, man, one, one of the best examples um, I have is the person that's grown up in church their entire life. And so they grow up automatically thinking that they're a Christian because they've been in church their, their, their entire life. 
at some point the faith that was mamas and big mamas has to become your own yeah right yeah you, they they can't get to heaven for you <laughs> they can't do i mean it. you you they can't get you to heaven right they can't yeah. you have to your faith has to become your own mm-hmm. and yes you, you you've been told for so long you yeah, jesus is the christ which is true has he hit your heart mm-hmm. have you examined man what has he done for me right yeah he saved my soul but how do i see christ working in my life now mm. i can't live off mama and grandma's tradition it may have been the seed praise god for the godly seeds of parents and grandparents that had given us seeds of the gospel on our hearts to save us but at some point you have to own your own faith yeah that's good and god can use it mm-hmm. but your faith has to become your own that's good george uh lastly um uh, and this kind of gets to my point. It can help us develop a faith that is per- that is personal and not rooted in dead religion. Mm. Right. So that's how it can be helpful. Yeah. And and let me say this too about postmodernism. Um, because we have a faith that deals with absolutes. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the Christ. He is the way. We believe scripture is inerrant. Mm-hmm. Right. Those are absolutes. Yeah. When you make statements like that in a postmodern society, get ready. People don't like that. Critiquing. Mm-hmm. Breaking down. Was well, this what the Bible really meant? Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's your interpretation of that? <laughs> yeah. That's postmodernism. Yeah. So the apologetic comes in. Can you can you verbalize, as Pierre tells us, given the reason for the hope that you have yeah. with gentleness and respect? Mm-hmm. Right. I see you thinking over there. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pause for a second. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think, you know, um, when you mentioned how deconstruction, like how it helps uh, as someone who has uh, deconstructed in a way, I don't, I don't know that I would say fully, but deconstructed mm-hmm. and reconstructed in a way that has helped me fall yeah. deeper in love with Jesus. I just yeah. think, you know, it's helpful to hear someone say that. Obviously, because when you're experiencing it and going through it mm-hmm. and you ask all the questions, um, so, you know, 2016 to 17 was a very rough, you know, mm-hmm. election. Mm-hmm. My granny uh, got cancer, just all these things. And so, yeah. you know, it's just. Yeah. blow after blow after blow and you just start to ask yourself like okay man like wait a minute <laughs> mm-hmm. like lord you mm-hmm. know like what like why you know yeah. the church that i had held dear to me and to my heart um just kind of disintegrated right before my very eyes and so yeah. it's a lot of questions a mm-hmm. lot of doubts but i think because of um probably because of the the faith that you talked about from mama and big mama where it's like my granny was holding on to Jesus in those moments, mm-hmm. I was forced to then go to the Bible as well. Mm-hmm. And I think it shored up my faith, you mm-hmm. know, in those moments. And so it's like, oh, yeah, those things can help. So where you have questions, where you do remove some of those thoughts that you did have about God um, and redevelop more beautiful, mm-hmm. true thoughts about God, like those things are helpful. So, I, I mean, I think it's good to just hear that, like, mm-hmm. A lot of times you think about deconstruction in, in a very negative way mm-hmm. and not thinking about how it can help in the in in the outcomes yeah. of that. But yeah, yeah so an I example guess. I gave um, on on healthy deconstruction and reconstruction, I gave um, Francis Schaeffer. Mm-hmm. You know, Francis Schaeffer um, is one of the greatest apologists of our time. Mm-hmm. He was also a Presbyterian minister. 
and he went through his own kind of deconstruction for a few months because he saw the American church and was grieved. Mm. And he went through a and he went months of examining his faith and where he stood. And out of it came one of the greatest apologists we've probably seen. Wow. In the in the past hundred years of Christianity. And so that's a healthy example of deconstruction. In fact, some some folks don't like deconstruction being in 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 faith conversations. Yeah. They will use things like, well, use words more like reformation mm. or faith renovation, right? Mm-hmm. So but the idea is the same. Yeah. And this and it's this idea of man, how do I take away what I've learned that is not Christianity that does not make me a better Christ follower. Well, what do I need to take away? And what do I need to put back? Yeah. It's important to oh, if God, it's, so it's good. important if you're taking something away. It's so good. You have to put something back. Otherwise, you have a straw man. Yeah. That can't withstand anything. And that's not, that's not our God. And that's not our God. And the example I gave for that is the book of Nehemiah. And I went into that for like week two uh, last week, and that's on the podcast. Y'all can check that out. But the book of Nehemiah is a perfect example of deconstruction and reconstruction or renovation, Mm -hmm. however you want to say it, right? (laughs) And the reason why is because you think about what happened. The people were destroyed because of sin and brokenness, right? And sin and brokenness, because of so much that we see, can ravage our faith. Jesus says in the Gospels that there will come a day because of the increase of wickedness, love will wax cold, Mm. cynicism, mistrust. And he says, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And we're seeing that because of so much evil and brokenness, man, it is wrecking people's faith. Mm Mm-hmm. In the book of Nehemiah, Israel has their home destroyed because of sin and brokenness. But it was God's will for them to rebuild their home. Mm -hmm. So for those who are deconstructing or considering it, know that it is God's will for you to be rebuilt. Amen. It is his will. But there's also some things happen as they were as they were rebuilding the the temple or their faith to a certain extent that we have to take heed to. Mm -hmm. Right. The first thing is there will be opposition. As Nehemiah and his crew were were rebuilding, they had to culture the neighbors around them who were not godly that were trying to oppose them and stop them. We have an enemy that does not want you to to be rebuilt. Mm. And he will use everything in culture or around it to stop you. Right. And the king that sent them home to rebuild also made them stop. (laughs) So there is opposition as you rebuild. Yeah. But here's what I love about God. Here's what, here's what, here's here's what I love about our God who who um who helps us put back what's broken. Uh they had godly leaders that helped them to do it. Yeah. You had Nehemiah that wouldn't stop. You had Ezra the priest. That was helping to lead reform. He used God's word, right? Mm-hmm. He used God's word as they're rebuilding as a canvas, as like as like the star as they're doing this. Reform had to be made. Yep. And God's word was at the center of the reform and the rebuilding. Mm-hmm. The Haggai and Zechariah, two prophets, had to direct them to keep building. Mm-hmm. Don't stop. Mm-hmm. Keep rebuilding God's house. Keep rebuilding God's city. Keep rebuilding. We need godly leaders to do that. Yeah. 
right? So some some more things I pointed out is they they rebuilt together in community. It just wasn't one person building. Yeah, they were all together rebuilding their home. For those that are, that are going through this process, it's important that you have other Christ followers that love Jesus like you with you as you rebuild. Because if you do it alone, it's man, man, we need people to help us rebuild. Yeah. And um, yeah. So those are some things that Nehemiah uh, helps us to helps us to helps us to see. That's good. Well, if there's nothing else, George, <laughs> I really do appreciate, and I know our people, our our people will appreciate uh, you just kind of running back through uh, this for us. Uh, like I said before, when we started, I think people have really been blessed by the conversation, yeah, and yeah. I, I'm extremely blessed that we've had this conversation today. And mm-hmm. uh, like George mentioned, uh, part two uh, is out there, mm-hmm. um, and so after you listen to this, uh, please, please go back. I mean, please go ahead and listen to. Uh, part two of Wednesday Institute and join uh, Josh. Uh, he'll be doing Josh three and be four. Up. Josh will be up next week. He'll do weeks three and four to close us out. And uh, if y'all can make it, we'd love to have you. Yeah. All right. Appreciate you, George. Appreciate you.